front of 65 people here. Pretty good stuff. Oh, God, right off the roast beef sandwich. That's what we call it. She's acting like she's hurt, but you have no idea what that pain's like when you get a big old cock hanging down there with two balls. And she's going to walk that off just fine. That happens to us, guys like us. Well, our kids are coming out with 14 legs, black eyeballs, and we're going to have to name them Jeff. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the new episode of the Truth and Rally podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Roman, repetitive in the middle of nowhere. My New Year's resolution, ladies and gentlemen, is to try to weekly do this podcast and hopefully improve my skills behind the mic and not talk so fast and talk like I actually know what I'm talking about in terms of sports and wherever else. So let's get into it. So the NFL season is coming to an end. It is week 18. Some teams that were supposed to be playoff teams were supposed to progress from last season saw a plethora of injuries in where versus being able to maintain the success that they had last season and carry over to this season, saw the injuries actually hold them back versus help them move forward. And then you have other teams like the Cleveland Browns who who have lost some key players on offense and for whatever reason they had maintained this the their success that they had with the players and have finished the season over five hundred and a playoff team with their 39-year-old quarterback, Joe Flacco, or Joe Skinny. That should be his new name. Joe Skinny. Think about it. Flacco in in Spanish is Skinny. Isn't it a great nickname, Joe Skinny? I don't know. It just sounds so funny and so weird to hear to say Joe Skinny with the deep pass or something. Maybe it's just me, but I like Joe Skinny. Let's erase Flacco and put Skinny as his last name. Maybe that's just me. And then you have other teams who who had suffered injuries the very first week, like the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers, and saw this season end and play out not the way they thought. Everyone who saw Aaron Rodgers go to the Jets automatically put them in this pedestal of a team that was going to win 10 games or more a team that was basically going to compete for the division title versus the against the the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills but then they saw that they had no quarterback success and saw this season dwindle very quickly even though Aaron Rodgers told everyone he was coming back and then he retracted it then he was uh reactivated and it's just a crazy situation there that I think no one, you know, no one could have predicted. So let's talk about the AFC East. So the AFC East saw a plethora of injuries. You saw the Jets, like I mentioned a couple of seconds ago, Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. Bill O'Brien was supposed to come to the Pats and be the it's miracle that they were looking for after last year experimenting, experimenting having Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as their offensive-minded coaches that were leading the, their offense. They thought that their former uh, Texans head coach and former offensive coordinator that worked for them was going to come in and be the solution, and yet he wasn't. Miami is amazing at home, but when they play away their games, they're just average. And the Bills. The Bills are one of those teams that de- has dealt with a plethora of injuries on, on defense versus offense, and they've been able to maintain the success even though they have fired their their offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey for Brady for Brady 
And they've been able to maintain the success. And at this week, 18, have a chance and opportunity to beat the Dolphins at Miami and have a chance to claim the AFC East title yet again. So, but it's crazy. Let's talk about the Dolphins. The Dolphins are, are, are one of those teams the past two seasons just seems like injuries and other things have gotten in the way of them. Last year, you saw that Tour got hurt and had multiple concussions, and everyone kind of felt that with his with his absence, it hurt the Miami's Dolphins' chance and opportunity of winning more games, and it did. And then this this season, Tua has been able to maintain has been able to maintain and being healthy. But what is wrong with the Dolphins? The Dolphins are two and four versus teams that are five hundred or better, but yet nine and one against teams below five hundred. So what is the problem? They have tons of injury. They lost their two pass rushers in Phillips and Chubb, hoping that Melvin Ingram and whoever else they have lining up on the other side can do something for them. But yet, it will be another disappointing season if they don't win this title and don't go deep into the playoffs. You know, Mike McDonald, McDonald got this team, and he basically got a great team with all the talent he has on offense for a rookie head coach. I mean, who... Who didn't have uh, the Miami with Mike McDonald or with another coach potentially being at 500 this season? I think if you plug anybody there, everyone would have thought that this team was going to be 500 with Jalen Riddle and Waddle, whatever you guys say his name, and Tyreek Hill leading the way in offense with Jalen Rams and Xavier Howard leading the secondary. I mean, this team had talent and Mike McDonald could again not uh has to potentially prove himself because ladies and gentlemen with all this talent and yet they're getting injured and you don't go deep into the playoffs sometimes spells the end for certain head coaches who can't get the job done we'll see this week if he could pull out some miracle he will be missing some players on offense and defense we'll see if that two and four record it uh doesn't hang over the Dolphins and building up enough pressure where at home where they're supposed to be always looking superior versus their opponents end up uh, losing yet again to another team at home that's over 500 and better. So let's talk about the AFC North. The Ravens are the number one team in the division and the conference. The Browns suffered a plethora of injuries on offense and still led the league on Listen to this fact that the, that the Cleveland Browns have. They have committed the most turnovers in the NFL. You talk about that about any NFL team that's at 500 or any anything. If this, if you just said that and didn't mention the record, majority of the, the people that would hear that stat of them leading the league in turnovers would say that this team is not a playoff contending team. This is not a team that is at 500. And some people probably would predict that they would probably be one of the worst teams in the NFL at this moment if they had hit this, uh, that statement. But at the same time, the Cleveland Browns have a top five defense and lead the NFL in takeaways in terms of committing turn turnovers against their, uh, their opposing team. So they have a crazy stat that I don't think is ever existed being number one on top three in both takeaways and giveaways. 
but they are. And this defense has has played a miracle, has been great. You know, Jim Shorts has shown that he is an, an elite defensive mind. Could never be an elite coach, but an elite defensive mind he is, and he has done a great job as a defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. But other thing that's work that, that they're looking at right now with the Browns is Joe Flacco at 39. After two previous quarterbacks, Pete Walker and another uh, rookie uh, quarterback started before him, and Deshaun Watson was hurt. You know, no one thought that this team, with all the injuries that they suffered between the two offensive tackles going down, Chubb going down early in the season, and Deshaun Watson, that this team was able to com- to maintain success at any level like it has continu- continuously has this season after every injury they had suffered. But since signing Joe Flacco, this team is 4-1. Everyone's celebrating Joe Flacco and looking at and saying how amazing he is because he has 13 touchdowns in five games, but also has eight turnovers in the same amount of games. And it's crazy to say this, but it's the truth. The truth is, if he played 17 games this season, he would have over 20 interceptions. But because he, but the reality is, because he is winning. With these statistics that he has been able to perform in the five games that he's played, no one really is emphasizing the turnovers, and everyone's just marveled at he's straight off the the couch and having success with the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if it's really him or if it's really Jim Shorts being able to not give away uh, the defense, being able to coach a defense that has been able to help the offense multiple times this year because any team that has committed multiple turnovers in each game is bound to give up a touchdown or a field goal once they they commit the turnover usually the defense cannot stop the momentum of the 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 the, the opposing team and usually gives up a field goal or a touchdown you always can say in the end of the season you you know look at the stats was that the defense really giving up points versus the the offense not doing its job and helping um basically helping their opposing team score touchdowns because the defense is either tired, weak, average or just couldn't maintain the lead for um you know, stop them from scoring for whatever reason. But kudos to Jim Shorts, kudos to the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be interesting to see what they could do in the playoffs. Um you know, maybe they're one of those miracle teams, you know. They don't have the top five quarterback going into this playoffs, and they have a great defense. Kind of reminds you of Eli Manning in some ways. You know, the the truth is in 2007 and 2011, you know, Eli Manning was good. And he, he was maybe a little bit slightly above average, but he was never considered elite. But one of the things he had in back of him was a great defense that had great pass rushing. Is Joe Flacco going to have that with the Cleveland Browns? I don't know. Tune in to find out. So let's look at the AFC South. Before last night, it was a three-way tie for the division lead. Which other advantages, which, you know, which is um, a crazy thing to think about because before the season started, I think everyone kind of annoyed to the Jacksonville Jaguars to be even better than they were last season and to reclaim the AFC South division title once again. But the Texans and Colts have shocked everyone 
and have entered week 18 tied with the Jaguars. Well, like I mentioned uh, mentioned before, I probably... The Texans won last night. The Colts lost. So the, the Colts are out. Texans are in the playoffs. And if the Jaguars lose, the Texans get to claim the AFC South title, which no one predicted them to do, unless you are a tech, uh, Houston Texans fan. But we'll see what happens this week with the Jaguars. Can the Jaguars beat the Titans? Will the Titans play spoiler for the division rival and stop the Jaguars from making the playoffs? Or will Lawrence coming back from his injury lead, lead them uh, to winning the AFC South title and making the playoffs? Let's talk about the AFC West. Another division that I actually felt was going to be more competitive. And the Chargers were never that. The defense was never elite, even though they have great players in James, Boza, Mack, and others. The defense was ne was never elite. Then you add the fact that the Denver Broncos add Sean Payton and add other guys. And a lot of people thought that maybe they were going to be better than they were last season. Then you got the Raiders who have played well for Antonio Pierce. And maybe if they had gotten rid of Josh McDaniels after the third game of the season, maybe Antonio Pierce would have been able to get them more wins and help them have a potential chance in making the playoffs in Week 18. But it's the Chiefs. The Chiefs are winning the division again. You know, this season, they don't look great. You know, last season, even though it was the first season without Tyreek Hill, Juju Showmaster was his, the healthiest he's ever been. He joined the Chiefs, averaged over 59 yards a game receiving, and was a great number two compatible receiver behind Kelsey. This season, they haven't had that, and, has, and it has been a, one of the biggest reasons why I think the Chiefs are not going to go deep into the playoffs or make the Super Bowl because they don't have the receivers to help them gain an advantage over their opponents. It's either Kelsey or nothing. Kelsey has to have an amazing game in where it gets the attention of their opponents where maybe he gets double coverage or what have you in order to help other receivers get open. But we've also seen other receivers be open and drop passes that go through their hands. So I don't see the Chiefs as a great team this season, um, and we'll see what happens. You know, it is Mahomes. Mahomes is a great quarterback, but we'll see what happens with this team in the playoffs. Let's talk about the NFC Conference. So the in the NFC East, it's the Cowboys and Eagles yet again for a second season in a row. The Eagles were looking like they were bound to win this division yet again and break the... Break the um, break the NFC East um, streak where it's a different division title every season. For the last 10 seasons or more, or what, or what have you, it's been a different team winning the division in the AFC and NFC East. And after 11 games, it looked like that, that they were bound to do that, but they have finished the season. They have played, they are 1-4 in the last five games. And going into this Week 18 game against the Giants, a team that they faced on Christmas and where the game was actually competitive for a team that wasn't competing for a playoff spot in, in terms of the Giants. And now this game, they have even less players available. Swift has just announced that he's not going to be playing 
in week 18, the leading running back, Slay, one of their best corners, is going to be out for the game. And Devontae Smith will be out for the game, the second best receiver. So this is this game is going to be interesting for the, the Eagles. Can the Eagles overcome these injuries and be amazing versus the Giants in New, in New York? Or will they falter and lose their chances of winning the division due to injuries? You know, the, 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 the Cowboys have maintained the success. And, I, you know, I got to give kudos to them. Because I kind of, you know, even though they they have won over 10 games and you could say all these different things, losing Diggs wasn't great for them. And then they lost, uh, you know, a couple, you know, s- certain other players. But one of the things I, I felt prior to the season was that Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup were going to be, both be a great tandem behind CeeDee Lamb. And that this receiving was going to be very, it was going to be much more explosive the whole season. I thought Brandon Cooks was going to have a chance to have 900 yards. I thought Michael Gallup being the third receiver was going to help him statistically. And they weren't that great. They've had good games, but in terms of what I thought they wouldn't have, I really feel that Gallup and Brandon Cooks have underachieved. Um, I think it's really been the the defense that has kept them in the games. You know, Dak Prescott has had great games, but just like the Miami Dolphins, the Cowboys are great at home. But horrible away or mediocre away. So does that hurt the team? You know, it kind of, it kind of, you know, it kind of makes everyone feel like if the Cowboys or the Miami Dolphins have been able to achieve the number one seed in the AFC conference and the NFC conference, that they were going to be locks to make the AFC conference championship and the NFC conference championship because they have home field advantage and they have, they seem to be unbeatable at home. But both teams don't have that spot. And uh, looking for up here battle. Like the Eagles, the Cowboys are are not going into the playoffs with great momentum. They are three and two in the last five games, which is not something great you want to have attached to you going into the playoffs. But they have because they went three and two, and because the Eagles went one and four in the last five games, the Cowboys are in have a great opportunity this uh, today to face the Washington Commanders and, and claim the NFC Conference, I mean, NFC Conference, the NFC East title and carry on the streak of a different team winning the AFC, NFC East title, division title again. Both teams before the season has started were looked at as, as, um, Potential Super Bowl contenders, and yet, ladies and gentlemen, they have not been that at all. This, this, uh, they don't, they don't look like that at all right now. In my opinion, the defense has not looked great. AJ Brown is seems upset. Who knows what Devontae Smith and Slay ha- Slay and have for them in the playoffs? They're not even playing the last game, so coming back into the playoffs is going to be kind of scary because it's, it's a um. It's like you have to immediately be great. You have immediately cannot work out of the injury. You immediately have to go in there and be the best you can, you know, next week when the Eagles play whoever they play. I just think that's crazy. At least one one, two games in where the team see your team sees you play and say, Okay, they're ready. 
the idea that in the playoffs they have to see if Slay and Devontae Smith can actually do it. Slay may be more inclined towards returning next week versus Devontae Smith potentially not playing. But we'll see. So again, the NFC East title, just like the AFC East title, could be claimed today with a win. What about the NFC, East, uh, NFC North? So congrats to the Lions in making the playoffs, but not just making the playoffs, but winning the division. Green Bay, Green Bay, ladies and gentlemen, has struck gold again. And what do I mean by strike striking gold? Well, since 1992, they have had one of the best quarterbacks playing for them. For a long time, it was Brett Favre. Brett Favre was a former MVP, a former Super Bowl champion. He has won titles and is considered one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. And when the Packers told Mr. Brett Favre, we don't want you anymore, the next guy up performed great too in Aaron Rodgers. And to quote Stephen A. Smith, Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. And for a second time in 31 years, they have given up on their elite future Hall of Fame quarterback and allow him to go to yet again the Jets. And they have Jordan Love. And ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Love has a chance to lead them to the playoffs. But the sheer fact in his first season starting, he has 30 touchdowns. In his first season starting with 11 interceptions, maybe they have a, a, good, a good formula with them. Maybe, maybe, you know, the New York Giants had two quarterbacks. They have drafted two quarterbacks high in the past 23 seasons, right? We had Kurt Warner and Eli Manning versus let Kurt Warner being the starting quarterback the whole season and then turning to Eli Manning a season later. They automatically made Eli Manning at some point in his rookie season become the starting quarterback. The same with Daniel Jones. They didn't give Daniel Jones a full season of not starting. They basically gave him the the anointed him the title of a starter midway through the season. But is the formula to let the rookie learn from the great for at least one season and then start him? Is that is that what helped Jordan Love perform perform so great? Or is it because he has also had great coaches? They have had great coaches. But the, the, the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, in 31 seasons, 31 seasons, the Packers haven't had a quarterback issue. In 31 seasons. And if Jordan Love can maintain his success like he's doing right now in this season for the next 16 seasons, you're talking about 48 years, 48, 47 years of success, of them never needing a quarterback and having another future Hall of Fame. I'm jumping ahead with Jordan Love. I just think it's crazy. It's 31 seasons later, and you can't attach a quarterback issue happening in Green Bay. Well, you got a team like the New York Jets that since 1969 have not experienced a Super Bowl experience at all. And their last best franchise quarterback, ladies and gentlemen, that they drafted is Joe Namath. Kind of crazy. 
When the Vikings regressed, the Vikings saw that once Kirk Cousins went down and, and Jefferson went down, they just weren't the same team, even though the defense under Ryan Flores has improved significantly. Actually, if they had maintained, uh, if Cousins and Jefferson did not get hurt, the Vikings right now will go into Week 18, in my opinion, being one of the scariest teams because defensively they look great and offensively they, look, they would have looked great. And that combination would have helped them. They solved their rushing issues with Matheson and Chandler leading the way. So the idea that the rushing game would have been great, the receiving game would have been great, and the defense would have been great are all different things that teams want a part of them going into the playoffs. But because the offense is on their third quarterback since Cousins' injury, our outsiders looking in. And the Bears. The Bears right now look like a team on the rise. They are 7-5 and five since, they, since they traded away Chase Claypool. Montez Sweat got an extension and has helped this team look amazing. And this is a team that, through a trade that they did last, uh, last season, are graced the number one pick in this upcoming draft. Now, the thing is, do they really want to go for uh, Caleb Williams? If Justin Fields and this team is winning, don't you want to take another step forward and maybe draft a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. to go with DJ Moore and do an, be another team that, that has a great tandem of a great leader and a great number one receiver with a great rookie who looks like he's going to immediately be successful? For an example, Jalen Whittle and Tyreek Hill. Whittle gets to develop behind Tyreek Hill Mm. And has that tandem looked amazing? Yes. Let's talk about another one. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith in the uh, for the Philadelphia um, Eagles. Great tandem. A.J. Brown's the number one uh, uh, wide receiver, top 10 in the league, has continued to have succeed, um, continue to have six, uh, success in the NFL. And now Devontae Smith gets to mature and develop at his own pace versus trying to develop quickly because they need a number one receiver. I would like Marvin Harrison Jr. to go to Chicago to te team up and give Justin Fields a chance. Make that old line even stronger. You know, g give him more weapons. That I, I'm, That's just me. But the truth is, Caleb Williams is too great and a lot of play people just or anointing the Chicago Bears as a team that's automatically going to draft him at number one. But look out next year. If they continue the success, look out next year for the Bears. They will give the Lions some problems. Let's talk about the worst division in NFL. One of the worst divisions. The Buccaneers have a chance of winning the division, going to the playoffs again, Basically not having, basically being, like for a second year in a row, having one of the worst records for a division uh, title team. But they look great. Baker Mayfield doesn't look so bad. And, you know, and I said it before the season started, Mike Evans and Godwin are a great one-two punch. Again, ladies and gentlemen, a great one-two punch. Mike Evans has consistently had over a thousand yards each season that he has started. He's not been hurt enough 
where he has not been able to uh, have that 1,000 yards receiving uh, stopped. Just think about that. He's like Mike. He's the Mike Tomlin of players. Mike Tomlin has not been under 500 once since becoming the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The same with Mike Evans. Mike Evans has never had less than 1,000 yards in a season his whole career. Kind of crazy. But the Buccaneers look like the best team, the best option to represent this um, NFC South. Uh, The Saints, you know, they've been able to be mediocre. I feel that if they had certain players healthy, there would have been a better chance of them winning more games and potentially winning this division. But I feel like injuries kind of held them back in some ways. The Panthers, my God, they need a prayer because the idea that they were this bad and now they're going to go into this offseason not having the number one pick is crazy in my opinion. But that's what they wanted to do. They wanted Bryce Young. They got him. And now they're, they're going to continue being a team on rebuild mode. And without and they also fired the first their, their, their head coach, which is crazy. But anyway. And the NFC, NFC West. The 49ers. The 49ers are a great team. They, they have somehow been able to, to manage a juggernaut team. Even with, with losing their coordinators and losing other players, they have done a great job. You know, one of the things that, that, that has been the miracle worker for them is Brock Purdy. Trey Lance was supposed to be the future. Trey Lance was supposed to take the, the starting spot behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance was being compared to Pat Mahomes. And with the same squad that they have right now, he lost and looked bad. And the minute the 49ers gave Brock Purdy a chance and opportunity, a seventh-round quarterback, a chance and opportunity to start, they won. And they've looked amazing. One of the things I'm going to put out there for the 49ers is the 49ers lost their players. And when they lost players to injuries, they went 0-3, 0-4 the season and when those players are back they're undefeated kind of sc- crazy now they have the number one seed in the nfc conference which is gonna make them even healthier when they pl- uh, play again and now they're crossing their fingers that nothing happens to the quarterback because the truth is last season they lost the nfc conference championship because of their quarterbacks getting hurt and the reality is the eagles were able to take uh take advantage of that and make it to the Super Bowl by defeating the 49ers. Let's talk about Seattle. After seven games in the beginning of the season, Seattle was 5-2. and two. A team on the rise. They made a trade thinking that getting Leonard Williams will help upgrade the defensive line and help them continue pushing forward and potentially making the playoffs. Well... Since they made that trade, the Seattle Seahawks are three and six, with a chance of being three and seven. Now here's the question: Should Pete Carroll be fired? Just think about that. You don't want to fire anybody, and you don't want to let anybody go. But the idea that they were a team that was on the rise, the team that has, if you take a step back and look at them, should have be should be better than what they are right now. But the idea 
that there's a chance if they lose today that in the last 10 games, they've only won three games. It's not great. The idea that if they had just went five and five in the last 10 games, they would have be they would be 10 and seven with an opportunity to be in the playoffs versus the LA Rams being uh, being in the playoffs. But they went three and seven with the talent they have. So what happens to Pete Carroll? I don't know. So they are the top seven paid quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Only two of them are gonna start gonna play in the playoffs this this season. This uh playoff playoffs. The others are either out, have missed a significant amount of the season, or their teams regressed. Crazy, right? You would think that the top players, especially at the quarterback position, will be in the playoffs. But the idea that's only two, it's not great, ladies and gentlemen. Now, one of those teams and one of those quarterbacks who's the highest paid in the NFL is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos and did not have success with the Broncos in his first season. His season was so bad, the Broncos fired their head coach after one season and hired Sean Payton to be their new story, um, their new head coach. And Russell Wilson basically rebounded. He had about 26 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. The defense regressed significantly. And you could say the defense kind of helped the held, uh, held the Broncos back. But after October 31st, there were rumors and there was a statement, uh, there was an exchange that happened between the Broncos and Denver. And between Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, where the Broncos wanted Russell Wilson to basically rework his, his contract, where he's going to be guaranteed a certain amount of money and incentives and bonuses. So they wanted him to re basically rework it so it doesn't hurt the salary cap for the Broncos. Because in the NFL, there's a salary cap. And the NFL better than the NBA, gives you an opportunity and chance to rework contracts where the player's contract doesn't hurt, does not hurt, uh, does not hurt the team's salary cap. But one of the things the Broncos did was they told Russell Wilson, either you are going to work, rework your contract and help us, or we will bench you. Well, he didn't rework his contract. They started slow and then ended strong. Even at one point, it looked like a playoff team. And before last week's game, they decided to uh, bench Russell Wilson. Former players are calling Sean Payton a thug. Former players are looking at this as a horrible decision because it was the, Bronco. it was the Broncos' decision to sign this contract that, that, that was ludicrous. And now they're asking him to to um, basically erase something they agreed on. Now the thing is, how does he get? How does he want to come back? How does any player want to go to this team? That because he doesn't want to accept your your terms, you're gonna bench him after him improving this season. 
I mean, he has better statistics in terms of his touchdown touchdown uh, turnover ratio than uh, Patrick Mahomes. How does he go back? There's rumors right now stating that they're going to probably release Russell Wilson. If you look at over the, if you look at, if anybody knows this app, you could search it and do this homework for yourself. There's an app called Over the Cap. Now, Over the Cap tells you different scenarios on the salary cap, meaning if a guy's released before June 1st, what what his um contract could do in terms of uh, in terms of saving cap uh, saving the salary and some money, or becoming dead cap, what his his contract will look for uh, for the team salary cap post June first, if he was released. They also have help you look at if a guy's traded before June first or after June or after June first, or if we restructure. And I like this because. This is the NFL, and the NFL is such a crazy um, thing. You know, I don't understand why the NFL has a salary cap. I, I, I will definitely agree that MLB should have it more just for the sheer fact that majority of the stadiums are not at 75 capacity or more for 81 games in the season. So they actually lose money, especially if you have a high payroll and losing. But... um. The NFL doesn't have it, but they do have restructuring. And I like to look at this because every season there's a team that's that needs to release players. There's every t- year there's teams that need to restructure contracts. Every year a trade needs to happen. But sometimes you want to find out what's the best scenario for your team. Well, for the Broncos to save any money in attachment to Russell Wilson, they need to trade him after June 1st. In order to save money. They save about $17 million. If they wait until after June 1st. If they're able to find. Uh, a team. To uh, trade for him. If they try to trade for him before. They will not save money. It would actually hurt them. Versus help them. And yeah. What do you do now? What do the Broncos do now? What do players do now? After witnessing this. Do they want to play for Sean Payton? Do they want to play for the Denver Broncos? The idea that Russell Wilson progressed from his previous season, and yet he's being told that he's going to potentially be released, the idea that he's told that he's going to be benched, it's just it's kind of crazy that, that that is happening, but it is. And this offseason for the Broncos will be very interesting to see what they do. How do they salvage this relationship with Russell Wilson? How do they salvage the relationship with the players? Because they need to do something. Because right now, I would not want to play for the Denver Broncos. So, the Fanatics Sportsbook posted this picture of Chase Claypool. Now, Chase Claypool, since his Pittsburgh Steelers days, has been traded twice. And the funny thing that they have attached with Chase Claypool is, in 10 games that he had, when he was with the Bears organization, the Bears went 0 and 10. Let me repeat that. 0 and 10. The idea that when he got traded to the Miami Dolphins, team went 7 and 6. 7 and 6 is not great, but 7 and 6 is a lot better than 0 and 10. Then they attach, okay, let's look at what he did with the Dolphins, his new team. Well, his new team in the first eight games of the season 
went 7-1. When Chase Claypool joins the Dolphins, they've gone 4-4. Four and four. Now, I'll say this. I don't think the 4-4 four four attachment with the Dolphins is fair. I see them as a team that has dealt with a plethora of injuries, and that potentially being the reason why this team has um, not done great, but kind of a crazy stat to look at. So let's... So that's the NFL season. It's crazy that, that this season is the way it is. We'll have an update on who made the playoffs, who didn't make the playoffs. The idea that the Steelers can, after week 18, be a 10-7 and seven and not in the playoffs is a crazy thing to think about. But it's possible. So let's talk about the NBA. After 30-plus games, there are some shockers. Who had the magic as one of the best teams in the, ESC, uh, in the Eastern Conference. Who had the Rockets as a team that was going to be 500 or better after 30 games? Well, they have managed to be over 500. They have been able to maintain the success, even though uh, you got a team like Houston, who is great at home and horrible away. Uh, the Magic haven't been so great in the last 10 games, but... The idea that they are one of the best teams in the AFC, I mean, in the Eastern Conference is a shocker. No one predicted this to happen. There's still over 40 games to play. All that can change. Just like the Utah Jazz looked great in the first half of the season last year and then ended the season not so great. And let's talk about the Thunder. After the 2019-2020 uh, season, the Thunder went in rebuild mode. And now... At this point, less than four years later, or about four years later, are the second best team in the Western Conference. This can never happen with the Lakers or the Knicks. This can never happen. I don't even think they have the same, they don't even have the same patience. The New York Knicks have been one of those teams that for a long time, prior to getting Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, always got guys who were past their prime or who were injury prone. And it always hurt them. And they always were getting, trying to get players and, and assuming that they could be a playoff team and just continuously not work. And coaches saw their careers as head coach of the Knicks gone. Same with the Lakers. But, but a couple seasons ago, they, the, the Thunder made a trade. They traded Paul George to, to, the, to the Clippers. The Clippers traded the young guard in Shai Alexander, who now is an all-star future MVP, future scoring title for many first-round draft picks. And since getting Shai Alexander and adding other pieces through all their plethora of first-round draft picks, are the second-best team in the Western Conference. And at the same time, have the same coach after four years. New York would never do that. They'll give you two years tops, and that's it. The idea that this guy has had four seasons to develop this team into something special is, cra is crazy. But that's the faith they gave on him. And who are the most disappointing teams after 30 games? Well, the LA Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have, have played over 20 games without Bradley Bill. When Bradley Bill has played in the 10 games, he's the, the team is only 5-5. Five and five. Now, that's crazy. It's crazy to to to, to, um, 
to say to say that with this team, you know, the team that was already anointed to be one of the top three teams. But what happens now if Bradley Beal doesn't stay healthy and the Phoenix Suns don't develop into a top five team in the in the Western Conference? What happens to Frank Vogel and the Suns? What do they do with the, uh, what do they do? They still have a 40 games to develop something special, but time is ticking. They may be, you know, more patient with Frank Vogel versus the Lakers on Devin Ham. Uh, uh, Devin Ham went 14-9 in the first 23 games since the play-in tournament. He has been, the Lakers have been 3-10. and Now, I was trying to look at players and, like, trying to find it, like, who is the interesting guy? Who could be the, 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 the person to blame? It's not LeBron James or Antonio Davis. They actually are doing okay. But is it D'Angelo Russell? His efficiency is bad. At home, his, his efficiency in terms of his stats and what he's been able to do is great. Away is horrible. And, and remember, he was a great player in December. His statistics went down just like his minutes and more. And the funny thing is, in four games that he hasn't played, the Lakers are 0-4. So is it really him? Or is it that the offense that the Lakers are trying to implement only work good with good point guards? And when those point guards don't play, they're not the same team. Now, this offseason, they got Gabe Vincent, who they thought was going to be a great number two guy behind Delangelo Russell that was going to give a spark for this uh, bench when Delangelo Russell and others are out and come in. But he's only played five games. He's missed 31 games. Now, the question is, is D'Angelo Russell really this bad? Or is he one of these guys who, for whatever reason, when the pressure's on him and the monkey's on his back, he can't perform well? And because of that, it's hurting him. And I really want to see what he does once Gabe Vincent is back. Will he improve because the pressure's off and he gets a little bit more relaxed and the certain shots that he always was good at in the past are now good now because the pressure's off of him? It's just interesting to see what's going to happen there. So the Knicks made a trade last week. They traded R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly to the Raptors for O.J. Anobu and others. You know, the Knicks, when I saw this trade, it, it, it made me scratch my head because I liked R.J. Barrett and I liked quickly. One, because they were drafted by the New York Knicks. R.J. Barrett looked like a potential all-star and quickly is a, one of the best six men in the league. So I looked at this trade and I was just scratching my head. Why are we making this trade? And then RJ Anabu, I'm probably seeing his name wrong, is considered one of the best defenders in the league. And in four games with the New York Knicks, the Knicks are 4-0 and the defense is considered one of the best with him in the lineup. Wow, so maybe I'm not wrong. One of the things I, before they played any games that I looked at as a positive was, well, if this trade doesn't work, the Knicks will be getting salary cap space because R.J. Barrett was not a salary, not a free agent next offseason. He still would have been with the Knicks. So I saw him as a. I saw that. Uh, I saw that as, an, as as a great thing because if it doesn't work, you get cap space, versus like you get this big make this big trade. And it doesn't work out, and the guy has three or four years left in his contract. You can't trade him because his statistics and what he, how he's performing is not great. So it's easier to trade him away versus keeping him. 
but the, the Knicks are, have been performing well. It's only four games. Last season, they went 17-6 and six in 23 games when they got Josh Hart. They've made this trade that's so far working for them, just like Josh Hart. Early in the season, maybe can help the Knicks overall record improve from last year. Maybe the Knicks can get between 49 and 50 wins if they can carry this momentum. We'll see what happens. But the Knicks look great. They had a great game against the Sixers this past uh, Friday where they won over 30 by over 30 points, a game that people predicted them to lose, and they actually performed great. So let's talk about the WWE. Now, it seems like since Vince McMahon has left and it feels like he's has done less and Triple H has done more in terms of control and, and attaching himself to creative and what have you, has helped the WWE. I actually feel that if Vince was still around and still doing what he was doing five years ago, that CM Punk probably wouldn't have come back to the WWE. But I feel because Triple H has created a different aura, has created maybe a different WWE, that has kind of made it easier for, for wrestlers to come back. I mean, now, The Rock, The Rock is back. In the last three months, he's been in WWE two times, which we felt like before he was coming sporadically, cut a great promo. They would get a, a, one wrestler and they would have their little exchange and he would do his signature stuff and then he would leave it back to Hollywood and do what he was, what he wants to do in Hollywood. Now he looked like he's going to stay and actually have a good match. There's rumors that Elimination Chamber could be the match that he has with Roman Reigns after calling Roman Reigns out on Monday Night Raw this past week where he says that he want, he's indicating that he wants to be head of the table. Interesting. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say it like this. I don't know what we're going to get get with The Rock. How many weeks he's going to show up. How many matches he's going to have. In my head, it's not going to be a lot. John Cena shocked me when this Hollywood strike happened with the actors that he came multiple weeks back to SmackDown and had and was attached to multiple pay-per-views. It was more than I expected. You appreciated and you saw that once the strike was over, he left the WWE once again. The question is, what is The Rock going to do? How many matches is The Rock going to give us? Is it just Elimination Chamber? Is he going to wrestle in WrestleMania? Is WWE going to let him win the title? I don't know. But um, as you get older... You learn to appreciate things more, appreciate what we are experiencing. So I'm happy to see The Rock back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very excited to see what the storyline and what WWE does with The Rock and the Roman Reigns and how long it succeeds. But let's see what happens. Let's see if there's a good match. Let's see if The Rock is going to give us just more than just one week of Raw and come back every week to cut a promo and deepen the storyline, and deepen the match, and make it more entertaining. We'll see what happens. Let's talk about AEW, like I always have. Well, they're in danger of losing wrestlers due to injuries, due to, to a possible trial, and due to a potential expired contract. Well, MJF is one of the injured player uh, wrestlers who right now is rehabbing and avoiding surgery because... The rumors are that with surgery, he could be out a very long time and possibly even a year, which is something AEW doesn't want because MJF is young and has been great on the mic and has been a great um, prospect, wrestler, whatever you want to call him, 
for AEW because he didn't have success with WWE. So the idea that he was so great for AEW and his matches and everything else is something they want and they want attached to them. Now, Andre, Andre, whatever how you say his name, um, Charlotte Flair's husband is a free agent, and we know he's not going to AEW because he even went on social media to thank AEW and the wrestlers attack that uh, that are part of it and thanking them for his time being there. Now, Jericho could potentially be in trial and he could potentially be a part of an investigation. There are allegations out there that he's been inappropriate with wrestlers, female wrestlers, and part of that. One female wrestler left and is saying one of the reasons why she left was because of Chris Jericho's actions towards her. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if... We'll see... Um, what happens with Chris Jericho, but Chris Jericho does not look great. I mean, I think it's, it's in, in, you know, before this allegations, you know, he says he didn't have to sign a contract for, for the CM Punk situation where he couldn't talk about the, um, the situation that happened between CM Punk and the other people in the organization, because supposedly there are some people who signed a contract, a legal contract where he, they could not talk about it. Chris Jericho says, I didn't sign that. And he said there is no employee handbook, while others say there is an employee handbook. You know, is Tony Khan to, going to protect Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho has done so much for AEW as an ambassador, as a leader, as someone who's carried the uh, the, the uh, AEW in the beginning? Or will Tony Khan say, Tony Khan talk more about it and take action as of right now he seems like he's not taking any action and is allowing Chris Jericho to continuously show up stay tuned for the Chris Jericho situation we'll see if more information comes out or what have you so lastly there's the Sasha Banks Mercedes slash Mercedes money situation she's still a free agent she went to Japan after leaving WWE got and then got hurt and has basically been out Last season, when AEW was in London, in Wembley Stadium, she was present there, which led people to believe that Sasha Banks slash Mercedes Money was going to join ACW, and then you didn't see anything after. Then recently, everyone was saying, well, you know what, maybe she's going to go back to WWE. Then after, then there was rumors that she was negotiating with WWE, and she's leaving little crypto messages on social media, and now she's not going to... Join WWE. She's going to go to AEW. Even recently, or an insider said that she was going to show up. She did not show up. Which leads me to believe if she, she may join WWE. For two reasons. Naomi, her best friend, is going back to WWE after being uh, wrestling with TNA. If she really was going to AEW, she would have done it already. WWE has something over, uh, has something for her. She can come in, win the Royal Rumble, and pick any uh, women's uh, champion she wants, and whatever. Her key thing that's being put out there is that she wants a lot of money, and she wants one to be one of the highest paid females in wrestling, and that's going to hold her up. And no one's been able to give her that money. She's still looking for that money, and we'll see what happens. If she really loves wrestling, she will put that money thing to side and continue building her legacy and being one of the best female wrestlers out there at this time. Or she could always do it about money and continuously lose months and years of her career because of money. 
But until I see her physically in AEW or WWE, Japan, or somewhere else, ladies and gentlemen, all the rumors attached to her, I'm not going to believe anymore until I see her physically in a ring in one of these organizations. Anyway, that is my episode. Remember, go to any of the social media uh, social media apps that you like and follow the Truth and Reality podcast. Remember, go to any of these uh, podcast apps and subscribe to my podcast, the Truth and Reality podcast. If you do, you will always be made aware when a new podcast episode is available for your listening ears. And have a great day and even better night.